The greatest battle that we face in this life is not what is seen, but what is unseen. It's impossible to stop the power of God when you know who you are and what you carry. Don't you let fear creep up in you because fear is your, would be your downfall. They're banking on you being afraid. Afraid of what? A demon spirit? When you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power of resurrection inside. If you don't turn it around, you just let that loneliness, that discouragement sit there. Pretty soon, you've got some demon helpers that are going to help you stay in that hole. And they're actually digging it deeper. We have to know what is of the devil and what is of God. How to cast out demons so that you can walk in miracles is what it's titled. Number one, Satan is your adversary. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing steadfast in the faith, uh, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Uh, so it's saying here in this scripture in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, that although Satan is our adversary, we have a job to do, and that job is to resist him. Recognize and resist. Recognize and resist. His goal is to stop believers from coming to Christ. That's his primary goal. If he fails at that, then his goal is to blind the minds of those who already have believed in Christ. Right? I think we're all familiar in this room and even listening online that first it's his goal is to stop a person from becoming a believer. His second goal, if he couldn't succeed in that, is to keep them bound, as bound as they could, bound in their old stuff, bound in shame, bound in addiction, bound, 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 bound in anger, bound, bound in fear, just bound. That's his goal. If he couldn't stop you from getting saved, he's going to certainly try to stop you from being fully free. Say, but I am living fully free. I choose that freedom, and I'm not going to walk out without it. Number two, Scripture is clear that demons are real. Scripture is clear. Demons are real. Turn to Acts 8. You know there are people that don't believe this. And you know there are people that think that this stopped with the, uh, you know, with as, as the... Uh, Old Testament stopped, this stopped, this stopped. No, 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 no. Actually, just read the New Testament. And, and, it, and people believe that when Jesus rose again, that all of this ceased to exist. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell because he actually gave us the great commission to go out and, in Matthew 28 to go out and do what he did. So if we have the great commission to go out and do what he did, then how could we not do when he, what he tells us to do when he did this? We have to go out and do this, right? Didn't stop. Acts 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 through 8. This is when Philip was preaching, and he was preaching, and he was casting out demons. And so it says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. That's our job. We go everywhere, and we preach the word. And then Philip went down to the city of, of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. Yes. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, cried, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many of them who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame, and they were healed. He preached the word... And that city changed. 
There, it is clear here in the book of Acts that scripture teaches us that demons are real. We just read it. Unclean spirits, they left, right? They were crying out with a loud voice. Uh, many who were possessed they were, and paralyzed, and they were healed. Also shows you the, the correlation between deliverance and healing, right? Turn to Matthew 12, because this is another portion of scripture. Sometimes gets misunderstood. But Matthew 12 and verse 43 and if you're doing deliverance, which you are all called to cast out demons, okay, you need to understand this scripture. Because this is talking about the house that's, that's unoccupied and then, and then more demons come. And then people have a kind of twisted, they have all kinds of twisted thinking about this. So in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, it says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Oh, no, you don't, devil. Amen. And when he comes, because a lot of times he comes because people don't know what to do, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. There's the problem. It's empty, it's swept, and it's, and it's put in order. There's the problem. At surface level, you go, what, what's the problem? I don't get it. It's empty. It's swept. The house is clean. It's swept. Yeah, it's empty. It's empty. You were never called to live empty. You were called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You were called to live on his word. You were not called to be empty. You were not called to have an empty mind. You were called to have the mind of Christ. It's so subtle, people miss it. So his house was empty. And then he says, he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and they dwell, they dwell there on the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall be with this wicked generation. A house unoccupied is a house that is vulnerable for greater attack. Don't leave your house unoccupied. Fill it with the word. Fill it with the word. So we know that scripture is clear that demons are real, right? Focusing on demons all the time, though, is just as wrong as ignoring them. We have to know this. We have to know how to do. You have to have the maturity and the confidence that, back, that you're backed up by the word of God, that this is, your, this is your assignment as a Christian. But always focusing on demons is actually just as wrong as the other group of people that want to ignore every single one of them. So they do exist, and they do interfere, and we must stop them. If a demon shows up, it's your job to stop it. Okay, you got to recognize it. When they harass your children, it's your job to stop it. Amen. When they harass your marriage, it's your job to stop it. When they harass you, it's your job to stop them. Okay? Number three, we should cast out demons because Jesus did. It's pretty simple. Jesus did it. We should do it. We've been commissioned to do the same. Mark 16, 17, and 18. Though It says, and these are the signs that will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons in the name of Jesus, right? They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. Number four, don't ignore. Extinguish. Don't ignore them. We need to extinguish. Ephesians 6 16 it says take the shield of faith take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench 
which means to extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You will take that sword. You will extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked one, right? Take that shield of faith and, and extinguish. Another is also extinguishing his, his uh, flaming arrows. They're flaming fire. What do you think he's throwing at you? What do you think? It's like fire, but that fire is meant to destroy. See, the devil targets your faith. He targets your faith because he doesn't want you to please God. Hebrews 11, 6, anybody? Hebrews 11, 6. He targets your faith because he doesn't want you to please God. He wants you to get fearful. He wants you to get sidetracked. He wants you to just come under the oppression. But, oh, no. No, 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 no. We're not going to ignore. We're going to extinguish. Say, I'm going to extinguish. See, many would rather ignore the signs of a demon harassing them, you know, or someone that they love, thinking it'll just go away. They say things like, oh, it's, it'll, it'll work out. That's okay. I'm good. I, I'm not concerned. It's going to work out. And you know, the, the, devil, the devil is literally banking on that. Yeah. He's banking on that kind of lack of zeal. It's a lack of zeal for spiritual matters. But you have been given the keys to the kingdom. Amen? So we got to use them. we got to use the keys. We're going to bind up, tear down. We're going to extinguish. We're going to cast out those demons. What kind? What are you talking about? Doubt. Discouragement, deception, delay, distraction, denial, depression. Come on, do we need to keep going on? It is these are spirits that are attaching themselves to you, and you must extinguish them. Starts out as a feeling, as an emotion. And if you don't do something to it, uh, if you don't pray and, Lord, I choose faith. Lord, I choose rejoicing in you. I choose to be thankful. If you don't turn it around, you just let that loneliness, that discouragement sit there. Pretty soon, you've got some demon helpers that are going to help you stay in that hole, and they're actually digging it deeper. We don't want that. We don't want that. And so you can't cast out what you, what you don't identify. That's why I identified some things for you. We cannot cast out what we don't identify. Be aware of his schemes. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. Why would the Bible say, lest Satan should take advantage of us if that is not one of his tactics? So be aware of his, of his schemes. We have to identify before we can cast out. Lest he shall take advantage, for we are not ignorant of his devices, of his schemes. Okay? In this scripture, by the way, taken in context, is talking about forgive. Forgive someone. Forgive whoever it is so that, so that you are not taken into this captivity, into his schemes, into his devices. You're not taken captive, right? It's talking about forgiving those people that have offended you. But his schemes at church are more than just unforgiveness. His schemes are more than unforgiveness, but that is the context of that scripture. 1 Timothy 4.1. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, the spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Okay, so we're there. And honestly, we've been there. But you see it more and more. It's very blatant. It's very in your face, right? That some have abandoned the faith and they are being deceived. Deception by things taught by demons. Demons try to teach people that will listen to them. 
I don't want anything to have to do. I don't want to be taught by a demon. I don't want to be influenced by a demon. That means I have to be able to recognize that demon and kick it to the curb, casting it out. I have to cast it out. Resistance is a demon. Even some of you just sitting there just like, Rebuke that devil and tell it to go. You're the only one that loses if you don't do it. Because you won't be able to hear what you need to hear if you're allowing a spirit of resistance to cause you to not hear this message. Number six, here are some of his schemes. I'm going to read them quickly. Anger. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry and do not sin. It's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to let your anger turn into wrath. It's a sin to let your anger fall asleep and go to sleep in anger. It's a sin to allow your anger to really get a hold of you. And now, and now you're totally in the flesh. There is a righteous anger. There is such a thing as a righteous anger. But there's a fine line between what is truly a righteous anger and what is anger in the flesh. So Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Wait a minute. He said, be angry, not when you're angry. You know, sometimes that's because it's the righteous anger that God gives us. The Bible says, be angry. You have people that are not angry when they should be. And they let people be violated and they let things happen on their watch and they do nothing about it because they're not going to be angry. The Bible says, be angry, just sin not. In your anger, don't sin. The devil's banking on you to sin in your anger. But if the Bible says to be angry, right? Be angry, okay? And do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. Then there is a way to be angry and not sin. He wouldn't tell us to do something we can't do. So in other words, don't give him a foothold. Foothold. So some of the schemes of the devil, anger, right? As if you're not, if you're, if you're allowing your anger to take, get a foothold, right? Rage, Mark, Five, one through five. Rage is one of his schemes. That one's pretty obvious. As, and, and there's this story here. It says they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat immediately, there they met him, you know, of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. He couldn't be chained. It didn't last. It didn't work. Right? The shackles broke in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. That's pretty strong because demons have incredible strength. And here they're breaking these shackles. They're trying to bind this guy because he was pretty wicked. Shackles didn't do a thing. That's how strong those demons are. And always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So one of the schemes of the, of the enemy is rage. I just said demons, some demons are very strong. They're not stronger than you when you're under the anointing, though. They're not stronger than you if you know who you are in Christ. They're banking on you being afraid of them so that you will forget who you are. And so that they could have their way. But that should never be the case. I don't care how strong that demon is, you're stronger. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
I don't care how great that demon. And I have been in the face of many, many gnarly demons with fingernails so long. And they're like clawing, trying to claw at me like this close. And I'm in their face. And they would not dare touch me. And it was just the two of us all by ourselves. And I had zero, I mean zero fear. And because of that, that demon is not allowed to touch you. Don't you let fear creep up in you because fear is your, would be your downfall. They're banking on you being afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of what? A demon spirit? When you have the Holy Spirit... You have the Holy Spirit. You have the power of resurrection inside. So yes, rage, one of his schemes. Pride. How about pride? Always, right? Come on. 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 6. If a man desires a position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, a husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable, uh, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetousness, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil, not being puffed up with pride, not a novice, not a newbie. Don't be given responsibility to somebody that is not ready to just because you see a gifting or an anointing. Let their character develop first because you're positioning that individual to a place where they may just fall because it's too much too soon. They haven't gone through enough life, right? And so it's a scheme. It's a scheme. Pride is a scheme, uh, one of the schemes of the enemy. Let's look at worry. Matthew 13, 22. Worry. He says, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. He who receives a seed among the thorns, he hears the word. Many of you hear the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, that would be greed, chokes out the word. If the word is being choked out, you become unfruitful. You do not want this. Worry leads you right into that path. Don't you think that the enemy knew this and literally put worry on you and you thought it was just you? Cast it out. You must remember that when you see things like this in your life, in your own life, stop looking at the nail. I see worry on that person. Look at yourself first. Look at yourself, right? Let's take that, that plank out of our own eye before we're looking at that little tiny speck in somebody else's eye. Let's get rid of that plank. Say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe worry is something that I kind of tend to fall into. If I'm falling into worry, I feel worried a lot. It's, a, it's a just that Achilles heel. Well, knock it off. Why have you owned it as an Achilles heel? It is a demon that literally is plaguing you, and you've given it access. You've given it a foothold. Cast it out. Realize it's not of God. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Should do self-deliverance all the time. Get rid of it. Yes, discouragement. You know, depression, discouragement, loneliness, it all goes hand in hand. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It tells us be anxious for nothing. 
We can stop right there. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. We're going to pray. We're going to pray till Jesus comes. We're going to pray. This is by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's going, to, it's going to guard your hearts and your, mind through Christ, and your minds through Christ Jesus, right? So discouragement is a sign that we're allowing the enemy to knock on our door. And if we don't nip it in the bud and say, I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to rejoice about everything. I'm going to worry about nothing. I'm not going to allow this down, dull spirit to attack me and, and be allowed to, to have residency within me. I'm going to, I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to rejoice, make a choice to rejoice when you don't want to. It takes discipline, but to make a choice to rejoice when you don't want to. Every single person needs to be working on this, I'm quite sure. So wherever you're at on this, just keep at it. Just keep at it. You might say, wow, I really failed at this last week. Well, get up, soldier, because it's a new day. Get up and start again. I love that the Lord gives us chances after chances after chances, right? Get up, soldier. It's time to start anew. Right? See, it's one of the reasons we come to church, because we get encouraged, we get edified, we learn. You know, some of the, if you guys are people that read your word, it's not like this is going to be brand, brand new. I mean, there may be things that are new, of course, because, you know, we read the Bible, and there's always revelations like, wow, right? It's a living word. But, I mean, for the most part, there are so many things you've heard, again, but it, it encourages you. It encourages your faith. It, it literally realigns you. Sometimes you just need to be realigned. Woo! Amen. How about worldliness? Oh, that's none of you, right? 1 John 2, 1, 1 John 2, 16. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Say it again. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It comes not from the Father, but from the world. It's coming from the world, which means the enemy is right there helping you out. Lying, another scheme of the enemy. Like I said, I'm only, I only listed a few of these things, but I want you to see the scriptures that correlates to these. Lying, Acts 5.3. And Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart, wow, so that you lied to the Holy Spirit? How is it that Satan so filled your heart? Stop for one moment right there, will you? It wasn't that he was just instigating him. It wasn't just that he was oppressing him, telling him something. He filled his heart. That means he had to have been listening to him for quite some time and not doing any of his due diligence. And standing on the word, casting out the lying spirit, because Satan filled his heart. That's, a, that's wicked. That's, yeah, yeah, it shows you the undisciplined life for quite some time. Nobody sins. You don't wake up and find yourself in some horrible, horrendous sin. It's usually one step at a time. Guess what happened here? Same thing. Wasn't doing the due diligence. See, nobody would maybe have known. Maybe nobody knows. They don't see. God sees. But maybe nobody else sees. Maybe you can cover really well and nobody else can see, right? But God sees. God sees. You're not fooling him. But Satan is filling. If you're doing this, Satan is filling your heart slowly but surely. Satan filled his heart. 
And look at what else it says here. It says, how is it that Satan filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Wow, to lie. Because when we sin, when we lie, we lie to God. It says, and you have kept for yourself some of the monies that you received for the land. Greed, lies, fear, I might not have enough. So many things that come into play here. How about severe sickness? Not every sickness is a demon. Okay, sometimes you just weren't listening to the Lord and you just went to bed late too many nights and oh, there you go. <laughs> Not every sickness is a demon, all right, but a lot of them are. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes you're just literally not taking care of your temple. You're not eating the way you should be eating and therefore you got sick. Well, guess what? We repent. Lord, forgive me. I wasn't taking care of my temple, right? But yet we're talking about some things that are demons and I want you to know sometimes, many times, a lot of the times, sickness has to do with with being, you know, a demon and a scheme of the enemy. Matthew 12, 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. They brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind. They brought him a demon-possessed man who was sick. He was possessed by a demon, and he had a sickness. So many times it's the demons and sickness. They go hand in hand. So they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Occult activity is obviously a scheme of the enemy. I say obviously, but not everybody thinks it's obvious because many because Satan is crafty, subtle, right? And so we have to learn to discern. We have to know that what it, we have to know what is of the devil and what is of God. Okay, let, let me read you this scripture in Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, and it's 10 through 12. It says, divination, sorcery, interpreting omens, okay, engaging in witchcraft, cast or, or, or spells, spelling, I'm sorry, casting spells, or who, one who is a medium or a spiritist or one who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Don't think for one minute that you don't know anybody that's doing this or that you haven't followed someone on Instagram or social media, a pastor that, or church that you may at one time maybe had respect for and you listened to. And don't think for one minute that some people don't get deceived by these things and are now following after doctrines of demons. That's what it is, doctrines of demons. And they start to justify because it's everywhere. They don't think of it like that. It's subtle. It's very subtle. We have to be able to use the, everything that happens and be able to look at the word and say, what does the word of God say about this? You are to cast out demons and walk in miracles. We're not looking for a demon under every rock, although there just about is one. <laughs> I guess when you when you start come on it when you start walking in higher levels of of that prophetic and when you start you do see it just about everywhere you go It's just that you learn how to minister in and through it and you don't some of them you're like mhm mm mhm mm just like yeah you don't say a word but you just did it nobody even knew they thought you were just clearing your throat You know what I mean they thought you were just clearing your throat you're like, 
<laughs> and everyone's like, oh, she's so nice. And you're like, you're like destroying demons and they don't even know it. You just have that glare, that glare, and they're like, what happened? And she's like, she's not paying attention. Oh, she's paying attention, all right. Something just happened. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you're back listening. You're back into the conversation. You just, you just literally took authority. It was just a look. Not, not even a word came out of your mouth. But yet, even though, yes, there's, you're constantly taking authority over stuff, you're not consumed by any of it. You're consumed by Jesus.